this week on the Year of the Anthem podcast. Uh, baseball is back, and oh, our hearts are full. It's a national pastime. You know, we love it. We're going to discuss it in our sports ball segment. In the news, who is Justice Roberts? We need to discuss him some more after another case came down from SCOTUS. Uh, COVID, speaking of cases, cases are up, up, up. LA County leads the nation. We're going to talk about that. And who's to blame, who's not to blame? Who's to blame? Well, that might be President Trump. We got a lot of discussions about him from the Russian bounties to tweets to swing states that are changing and everyone on the internet reacting to him. All that and more is coming up on this week's episode of the OD Anthem Podcast. Just like baseball, we're back, baby. This is Corey, and this is the other end of the podcast. <laughs> Unlike baseball's <laughs> Orioles, we're going to hope to win more than 40 <laughs> times this year. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 325 of the OD Anthem podcast. Coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for catching us on your podcatcher of choice. The easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash OD Anthem. It'll take you right to where you need to go. Subscribe on the platform you like. And uh, obviously the live stream everywhere on the internet. <laughs> Anywhere where you internet, we are. Absolutely. And of course, wherever you comment, we can bring your comments right into the show. You'll see in the center of your screen right now, we are live all over the internet. And wherever you comment, we'll have your comments here. We'll be able to read them and interact with you live. Or of course, you can call in 443-219-7595. What's the number again? That's 443-219-7595. We can't take your calls live, although we're going to work on that. We can take your messages, so text that phone number. Yes, indeed. All right, so a lot to get to, and I think right out of the gate, we should talk a little sports ball. It's been so long since I've heard those dulcet tones. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, so I think, uh, I think Corey, I'm just going to leave this to you because obviously you are the sportsman amongst us. <laughs> uh so uh, baseball has finally agreed. The owners and the players have finally come to an agreement on a 60 game season that is going to start at the end of July here. Uh, obviously, this is all sort of uh, <laughs> uh, up in the air because if COVID cases continue to get worse, then maybe the season gets canceled again. But as of right now, we have plans for the end of July baseball starting uh, people reporting to a new spring training in home ballparks at uh, the end of next or the end of this week, I believe. Uh, so it, it's super exciting. I'm, I'm it, I can't believe it's actually happening. We're going to have baseball again. And 60 game season means we're going to play basically a third, right? As I remember it. Yeah. So how it essentially works is 40 of those games are going to be against your rivals in the division. So it'll be 10 games against uh, uh, Tampa, Toronto, New York, and Boston. And then the other 20 games are teams within the geographical region of you. So basically the NL East. Uh, but I don't think we play Miami. I think we're playing like New York and Washington and uh, Pittsburgh and Philly and, or Philly and uh, 
losing the other Atlanta. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's not looking great schedule wise. The, the strength of schedule for the Orioles was uh, highest at like 525 winning percentage mm-hmm. of teams last year. So that's a uh, murderer's row. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much the worst schedule that we could come across. Um, but I'm excited. Nonetheless, I'm excited. It, it's, it's such a, I just missed having like the, the, constant every night of baseball in my life like being able to just turn on the game and knowing that something new was happening like even if I didn't sit down and like intently watch the game just having it on being able to come in every once in a while like is amazing to me so yeah and I mean sad part is they're not coming out west they're gonna stick to the east coast so Mm. we won't be able to see them live this year we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to see them live anyway I don't think because they're in Arizona right they were gonna come to Arizona well so they were gonna come to LA to play the uh angels ah, right. but uh, you know there's just no there's no fans in the stands right now yeah. as far as it goes uh i think the mayor of miami said maybe we can make special accommodations for the marlins as long as they socially distance and they're like we've been socially distancing before it was cool we we're the hipsters of this we know we know how it works uh so you know maybe in certain locales uh they'll open up the stands to like very limited seating but it seems to me at least right now that there will be no fans in the stands and uh, I think the players are mostly going to spread out amongst the first couple sections behind yeah. the plate. So it'll look like there's people there, but it'll be players trying to keep a distance from one another. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, honestly, because I feel like if the Orioles were to have some tickets to give out, what they would do is instead of giving them, to, you know, five consecutive year season ticket holders, they would just have a lottery where we have to jump in amongst the, the crowd to buy tickets. I mean, so. that's the really big problem. And, you know, for a lot of these, uh, you know, the think about teams in like football who have new stadiums, right? Or, uh, you know, even the Rangers in Major League Baseball, there's people who put in for season tickets, mm-hmm. who paid for a personal seat license, who are doing all kinds of things for a season. If they if L.A. says that, OK, there could be fans in the stands for Rams games, but it's limited to 25 percent capacity. Who who goes? Yep. Like, who who gets the tickets? Like, yep. and I'm sure a lot of these people signed up for season tickets this year with the intention that I want to go to at least the first game. I want to go to the home opener. Yeah. And like, you know, it's going to be the biggest event in L.A. and stuff like that. And now. 25% of those people get to go and do 75% of those people feel like they paid for a bum product essentially or on the plus side when the Rams suck as they inevitably will uh, we'll be able to go see a game late in the was, season maybe so I was gonna say the Chargers and their 25% capacity but they've already been dealing with that so they don't need to <laughs> it's not a big thing for them fair enough uh, all right when they so, say like you can only have 25% capacity the Chargers are like oh great okay uh, why you sure. give us with such high expectations <laughs> So uh, obviously the season is going to be short. It's going to be about a third of the distance and the rules on who you play are going to be changed. What other kind of rule differences have they put in? So uh, we were already going to have 26 players on an active roster coming into the season uh, before COVID shut it down. Uh, I think that number is now 28, uh, but it's going to start at 29 or 30 or something like that. So it's going to scale down over the first few weeks of the season. So you have an extra couple of bullpen arms in case your starters can't go the whole way or something like that. And then uh, there's going to be sort of a taxi squad, if you will, uh, that will play in a minor league ballpark close to uh, the stadium. So I imagine it would be like Bowie or Aberdeen or something like that for the Orioles. And 
instead of like a 40 man roster, it'll be a 60 man roster. And that will hopefully give you more opportunity that if a couple people get sick, you can just pull a bunch of people from the uh, taxi squad and bring them into to play in their place. Uh, and hopefully not have to deal with too many players being not having enough players to field a team, you know? Well, and I, I haven't read stories. I don't know, but seeing that 60 man with the, essentially a 30 man active squad, it also means if somebody comes up positive, you can isolate all 30 of your active players, pull an entire team from somewhere else. If you need to. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that you're not going to be like, all right. Uh, like, uh, we were watching, uh, not Honus Wagner, uh, old Hoss Radburn uh, yesterday. And it's like, yeah, so they lost a guy uh, midway through the sixth, and that meant that they played a man down for the rest of the <laughs> inning. It's like, don't want to be put in that position, unfortunately. So, um, so I and think then, this, uh, one other addition, yeah. just as far as like a different change to this, is if there is a COVID related uh, uh, absence, like if you either get COVID 19 or you have to quarantine or something like that, the injured list rules have changed so there's no minimum or maximum associated with it it's just sort of like a open il slot so uh maybe uh, a player was worried that they might have been exposed to somebody and they start quarantining and then they get two positive tests in two consecutive days or like you know five days or whatever they can come back they're cleared then they don't have to spend the whole 10 days on the dl or 15 you know like right so on and so forth they can just come back when they're ready uh, that's another nice little wrinkle to this that'll hopefully make it a little bit easier for uh, players if they're sick with something that isn't, you know, and even if you're sick with something that isn't COVID, like if you had a, a flu or something like that, there's no way to convince people <laughs> that the guy with the flu should be playing today. So yeah. give him a couple days off, let him, let him come back from it. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about burning a 10 day DL slot. And I feel like that is one of these rules that may end up next year coming up in the collective bargaining where they're like, listen, we learned how great it was for like, I got a sore shoulder, put me on the DL for three games and bring somebody up. So I'm not just sitting on the bench, taking a spot. And I'm sure the owners aren't going to want that, but the players, at least having that option of like more of an open DL rather than the dedicated 10 day, 40 day. I don't think the players would want that just because, uh, the team would probably take advantage of that. The Orioles used to do this all the time with players who had options. Like come the the all-star break. If we and Chen was (laughs) pitching well, the the last start before the All-Star break, right after his start, he would be sent down to the minors so that they could bring up somebody else in his place because he would be down there for the minimum 10 days to be able to come back up. So it, I think that if you could put like somebody on the DL for like one day with a stub toe or something like that, <laughs> then uh, it would drastically change what the, what the game is like. And I think that sort of having day-to-day injuries is part of baseball. Mm, so. That's true. I just think that there's there's such a big jump, right? Because it's the if you're good day. enough to stay, you should you should not have to worry about like losing your. If you're Aaron Judge, yeah. and you have you know a minor nagging injury that needs a couple days to to heal, you're not getting sent down. Like, right. In the meantime, but if you're Ryan Flaherty and you're always on the line, then maybe you just get down. sent down for a couple days while you're rehabbing your injury. But yeah, but so you go from ten days to forty, right? That's the jump. You're on the ten day DL or the forty day DL. Uh, sixty. 60. But the, the 10 day, like, you know, if, if you're on there for 21 days, it's, you it's fine. Oh, so I thought, I thought you hit a max and then they no, pushed a, you to the next one. Well, I mean, 60, if you get to 60, then you can go on the, the 60 day. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, the 10 day DL lasts for however long it, the minimum is 10 days, oh, okay. but it goes right. to however long you need to. 
60 is basically just for if it's a serious injury, you're going to be a while, be away for a while. It takes you off the 40 man temporarily. Right. So you can put somebody else on the 40. To, like Trey Mancini is recovering from cancer. Yeah. So he is on the 60 day DL. Um, At some point, they'll move him to the 10 day. If if after 60 days he can play, yeah. then he can come back on the 40 man roster. He can come back on the regular roster and everything like that. And they'll send somebody down. But in the meantime, this gives them the opportunity to like bump up a, another outfielder, the 40 man roster yeah. who can be extra in case, you know, somebody who gets called up and boom, boom's place has to, you know, all that sort of stuff. Although, like you said, 40 man is now becoming 60 man for this short season. Yeah. So <clears throat> do you think any of those changes then are going to stick around for next season or the season after? I would be curious about uh, expanded rosters. I know the Players Association always wants that. They always want more players on the major league team. Uh, I think there's a, a decent chance that might happen. Uh, I think a lot of the rules that we're getting this season are going to be more indicative of things that might come in the, the future. So we have uh, uh, a, a rule that was voted on before the season starts pre COVID was the three inning or the three pitcher, uh, three batter minimum for pitchers. Mm-hmm. So you have to face three batters. No, no bringing in lefty, ready, lefty, righty. <laughs> To get through a lineup like that, um, and then something that they're doing, they figured out post COVID here is that for extra inning games, they're going to start with a runner on second to start the inning from the tenth on. Okay, so the last batter who was up the inning before will go, go to second, second and start the inning, but it'll be like you know if you, <laughs> it's an unearned run if like you give up a single and the guy scores. Yeah. Like the the pitcher isn't punished for that. Uh, but it's still a, you know, still way to, to close up the game e- quicker. Like, well, it's um, it's like football, right? Like uh, the way that they do the rules of like you can go down and kick it, yes, but then they get to come back and go. Right. Or uh, kind of the opposite, I guess, because football can end quickly and they want it to be extended a bit. Baseball can go forever because you just can't get a man on. This way, it shortens it up a bit. Right. It makes it a little more um, a game. A hard game. like, um, and, and these are things that, you know, the owners would be more likely to want. And yeah. that's something that uh, might find its way into the next collective bargaining agreement. I mean, basically, <laughs> what I hate about this whole thing is, I mean, granted, we, we probably weren't going to be able to play baseball any earlier than this point, regardless of what happened, yeah. just because of how unstable everything with COVID has been. But I just feel like they spent so much time arguing about things that weren't important to, they were trying to figure out a CBA at the same time as they were trying to figure out how to play this season. Yeah. And they needed to push one of those. (laughs) They needed to push the CBA. Just be like, this is not constructive right now. We need to just figure out what we do for this season. We can have conversations that are going along behind the scenes to worry about the uh, eventual CBA, Mm -hmm. but let's try and keep it as, as much as we can to the season that we were going to have and not, work out all the you know, like well, luckily someone at major league baseball clearly listens to the podcast they heard your advice and now they're following that advice so thank god good. yeah thank yeah. god somebody's listening to me so the the one other impact obviously Corey and i always joke before the season begins about the odds on the orioles for the world series which at the beginning of this year we're going to be astronomical coming out of a you know less than par year last year but now running the murderer's row in the short season to the World Series. Uh, Obviously, that's going to have an impact on a lot of things that Vegas is doing, as well as just how that impacts 
I mean, well, Trey Mancini being out obviously hurts the Orioles' odds, I think, as well. But a, a little bit of that is is how other teams can be streaky teams at the end. Does that impact the way the odds work for them? Because, like, Colorado always seems to, like, squeak in in the last two weeks. But the season is not that long. Well, so. what's, what's amazing is that in 60 games, almost anything can happen. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you just get the right series of players playing hot, you can you – can, do the unexpected. You could like be you always a, say, you win twenty, you lose twenty. It's what you do with those other twenty that makes exactly. a difference. Exactly. Uh, that being said, I I think the Orioles' plan is much the same as it has been, which is let's not win so many games and get an early <laughs> draft pick, especially in this year where there's so much like, you know, it, it, why are we pushing ourselves? Like, yeah. th- this is not the best odds for us to begin with. And uh, speaking of bad odds, uh, Vegas. Uh, so I'm I'm on this this one that is sort of like uh, aggregating the odds to win the 2020 World Series. So I have heard in passing about some truly incredible odds for the Orioles, things like 7,500 to one. Yeah. So if you bet just one dollar, which Vegas would look at you really weird if you bet one dollar, yeah. but if you bet one dollar and the Orioles won the World Series, you would win seventy five hundred dollars in return for that, which made me and Rob start doing the math of how much are we willing to lose on something that clearly is going to lose. Like there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance the Orioles are not winning the World Series this year. But, but you're saying there's a chance. But I mean, you know, if there's a point one percent chance to clear seven hundred fifty grand or something yeah. like that. I mean, Again, like you put a thousand bucks at seventy five hundred to one. Yeah, seven point five million dollars. Yeah. on a thousand dollar bet. Now the so the aggregate one I'm seeing right now is uh we're we're tied with the Tigers and the Marlins for the biggest odds at a thousand to one. Still though. Yeah, that's a thousand bucks pays a million. Right now I'm not putting a thousand bucks down. You're probably <laughs> I'm gonna not lose blowing a thousand dollars on this. But a hundred dollars pays a hundred thousand. Yeah, that is. Unbelievable odds. I, I ten play plays uh ten thousand. But that's the thing is like I say that you say ten pays ten thousand. I'm like yeah, but you know like a hundred pays a hundred thousand. Yeah. So, <laughs> but and I'm then saying a little like, bit of gambling at it comes out <laughs> in me, and I'm just like, hey, do I need rent this month? Like I gotta put it down, right? When it pays off, I'll catch that rent up. <laughs> All I have to do is tell my building that I'm not gonna be able to pay this month. Everyone's everyone's having problems. It's COVID. Ab- yeah, <laughs> absolutely fine. They can't evict me. Just it's keep totally pushing cool. it back. <laughs> I'll pay you back. I swear. I'm just waiting for this baseball season to end. And it's all only 60 sudden, games. Just chill out, man. It's not like 160. All of a sudden, I'm Sandler and I've got jazz. Just like, <laughs> you got him, that seems you got like him a really locked in your class. <laughs> Why are you betting on the tip off? Why are you betting on the tip off? It's no, it's the, there's no point in it. There's no winning that. Oh gosh. Oh my god, that that thing made me so fucking uncomfortable. Yes. Okay, so anyone who hasn't seen Uncut Gems, one of the he makes a big bet, and part of the big bet, it's like a three way parlay, and say part six way six parlay. parlay. Yes. Part of the bet was whether or not the Celtics are going to win the opening tip, which is worthless. It's not like there's no point in winning the opening tip because you just the other team gets it at the start of the other half. Like yeah. so, yeah. it's like. It's an effort thing that, yeah, sure, you kind of want to win, but it's literally a 50-50. It's like uh, betting on the coin toss in the Super Bowl. It's yep. like, why would you? <laughs> I want the Chiefs to win, and I want tails on the opening toss. It's like, no, you so, just blown your Chiefs bet. In preparation for my review of Uncut Gems, <laughs> one of the things I said was, like, why would he make that bet? And one of the things was he felt so confident about the way that uh, KG was going to perform that to get the same high, you have to have that in there. Because you need to get that, like, I could lose it all right here. 
And then that helps push you through the rest of the game, which you're already pretty confident about. There, there's no... There's, I don't understand it. There's no reason. To, I, I do not want to go gambling with the Safties. That's all I want to no, say. No gambling <laughs> will ever make sense to me, but especially not that. I, Corey and I love Vegas. We love going to Vegas. We find it to be inspirational for writing. And I think we've maybe placed $100 in bets, not including that time we went uh, during the playoffs. Yeah. When the Ravens were in the playoffs. I'm going to exclude that section. Other than that. Can we exclude my humongous Patriots bet too? Yes. That, I mean, that was that same year, wasn't it? No, that was a, that was a different year. The one I, what I yelled at the, the poor woman dealing blackjack. <laughs> yes. Run you bastard. Run. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say I have spent less than a hundred dollars gambling. Yeah. Over the course of the entire time that we've gone to Vegas. Now that includes that. Oh yeah. I, you know, I spent a bunch, but I broke even that trip. So that's technically a zero. But so my losses are at a hundred dollars over three years of traveling to Vegas. Yeah, that's thirty-three dollars a year. That's hardly anything. The idea of someone putting twenty-nine thousand dollars down <laughs> on a tip-off, I just <laughs> it, as I said in the review, as Corey said in his like it's just you're anxious the entire time. And they did such a good job of like making you anxious the entire exactly. time. Exactly. So what are the other odds? What other good odds so, do we have going? So uh number one, the the top uh, top five here: uh, Yankees three to one, Dodgers six to one, Astros seven to one, Braves twelve to one, and Phillies sixteen to one. Uh, those all seem like pretty good odds to me. Mm, Astros seem a little high. I, if, I don't. You know, if I if I really if I'm thinking about where the best bang for my buck is, though, I almost think like betting on the Indians or the Twins is a good bet. Okay. Who whoever you think is more likely to win the division or maybe just split whatever you were going to bet between those two teams because the Central in the AL and the NL has some very weak teams that the winners in the divisions could pick off a yep. lot. Yeah. And I think that uh the AL East is a little bit easier because it's either the Twins or the the, the Indians pretty much. You know, the the Central for the NL, you know, like you got the the Cardinals and the the Cubs are kind of in there and the Reds are kind of in there. That, you know, you, you could go Cardinals in that way too. Uh but the Cardinals are at 16 to 1. So why not just take the AL Central version of that and go yep. 25 to 1 on the Indians or the Twins? Uh you know, they're going to be playing those NL teams. It's just teams, like a, a so. lot of these a lot of these odds just seem like the the unpredictability of the sixty game season is what's so incredible to me because like you remember the Orioles the year that like Rafael Palmero got busted with the with the steroids and Brian Roberts got hurt like right after the All Star break and like and the whole the we wheels were fell like, off we were like one and a half games out of first at the yep. All Star break I think at some point sixty games into the season we were the best team in the majors yes and we did not deserve to be the best team in the majors we were oh. better than the current twenty twenty Orioles but like the playoff year where it was like uh, we won the first. 10 game, 12 games, whatever it was right yeah. at the top of the season. And it was like, who is this team? Oh, okay. They're going to lose eventually. And they want, or they lost. And then they won like another four or five in a row. Well, after there was that. like 2012 too, where we were winning like 28 one run games and yeah. stuff like that. Like all kinds of nonsense. You but never know. Like, anything could happen. And you know, teams like the, uh, uh, we got the Rays at 30 to one. We have the, the Padres at 30 to one. Even like teams like the Diamondbacks at sixty to one, it, it seems less likely. But like, it's one of those. They could definitely be one of those teams that just pop off. Yep. And if you're putting sixty, you know, putting one dollar to win sixty on like a Diamondbacks team, it's not a bad <laughs> way to like 
get some big wins on something that will be very unpredictable. I mean, honestly, you could you could bet one hundred. I almost feel like Vegas is trying to sweeten up the bets to get people to come and bet on because, yeah. like, you know, if you if you think that the Padres are going to win the World Series because it's a sixty game season and you're willing to put a hundred bucks on it, Vegas, Vegas is willing to take that hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say you could you could split a hundred dollars amongst ten dollar bets on ten different teams. Yeah, and. Cover any, a third of the league. Any of them would cover that hundred dollar bet. Yeah. More than that, like ten dollars at a sixty to one is a six hundred dollar payment. Yeah. You're at five hundred. Oh no, because you get the bet back as well, right? Like so. Yeah. So really, you really five, need 10. to cover fifty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you need to cover a, a ninety dollars of the six hundred win. So there you go. You you're up. And if one of those you choose is the Orioles and it pays off, yep. Yeah. What was it? A thousand to one. A thousand to one. Yeah. Then you get ten thousand dollars. If you just threw in one extra one dollar bet on the Orioles, just out of fun, you it pay pays. for every other bet that yep. you made that day, <laughs> covering your bases with other teams that could win the World Series. I, I really, you know, it's, it's just a, uh, I, I, I don't think people are are prepared for how weird this season could be, just because, it, if it's a uh, like. It, just take a, a random COVID related outbreak or something like that. If it just goes rampant through the Yankees clubhouse for oh, two weeks, that's it. Not to pick on the Yankees yeah, or anything like but we that. We hate them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like if for two weeks, everyone who's in the Yankee starting lineup has to go quarantine somewhere or, you know, is like trying to get through COVID or something like that. And it's all the minor leaguers that are coming up to fill in. Yeah. You know, that that's a sixth <laughs> of the season <laughs> it's a, or, you know, more like, you know, you're just, if that's, you know, two weeks, you're looking at 14 games at, at the very least, probably that you're losing. Well, no, cause they're only going to play 10 times in 14 days. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, so you're getting you're but you have 10 games and if you're the Orioles, there's a chance you're going to play them twice in those 10 game periods. Right. And now you're up. And if the Yankees play the Red Sox, they do a handshake at the end of the game and they come to find out, one player in the Yankees organization is positive. You might be able to take out the two threatening teams for two weeks yeah. during the season. But just out of like random nonsense, like there has never been a bigger wild card involved in how the season is going to go down. Yep. And, you know, somebody gets a Kuna goes, gets hot and then all of a sudden COVID and then like the Braves chances of being able to take the division and with 60 games it being so tight and like how important games early in the season are going to feel because yeah. you're going to know that like the, everyone counts for so much. I, I, I honestly think baseball should probably think more about shortening the season <laughs> just for the interest that like, I I'm, I'm actually jacked about a, a short season just for the fun of it. You know, the, the benefit of the long season though, is that you don't get killed by cold streaks or that kind of, it, it's like it never it gets really too proves far who deserves to yeah. be in. But I, I agree. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it's nice normally to have the 162 but to have like the 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 one year wild card of the 60 see how it is yeah what i was gonna say this baseball season uh is to uh most baseball seasons the way that nascar usually is (laughs) you watch four hours of driving and it really only comes down to the uh white uh, the uh red white checker that they throw at the end it's like three laps that's all you got (laughs) or the the yellow green checker yellow or green green Red, I you should remember. know. I don't know. Yeah, I should really know that. Uh, but the the uh, it all comes down to those last three laps. And uh, I bring up NASCAR, of course, because we want to follow up on a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, we're a little iffy about following up on because the details weren't out. And I'm, lo- I'm glad that we were because come to find out, um, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Bubba Wallace and um, 
the impact he was having on NASCAR. And then the story came out that he found a noose in his garage. Yeah. And NASCAR seemed to push it off and say, oh, it wasn't really a noose and it wasn't really, it wasn't intended for him. And I think last week, Corey just aptly said, you know what? Let's just wait. Let's just wait and see what happens. And what we found in the, in the intervening week is that it wasn't a noose. It was a rope that was used to pull the garage door shut. Yeah. However, that rope was tied in a noose. And yeah. I don't I don't know what you want to say. It's tied in a noose. They, they released a picture. I, I implore you to go look at it. If you see anything other than a noose when you look at it, then I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> it's but like the investigation found that it had been there since October. You made some sort of joke about like, oh, no, a noose has 13 ties. I'm like, yes. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I know what the... By the way, most people who would tie a noose don't know that it has 13 <laughs> rounds. Um, but so then NASCAR found it had been there since October. So it wasn't directed at Bubba Wallace. It was just there. And I joked with Corey in the pre-show meeting that I, I guarantee you some dumb 19-year-old on a pit crew tied it, put it around his neck, and was like, oh, just hanging out at work for Instagram. Like, that's yeah. how it got there. And they didn't untie it. Right. But what happened in the intervening week was a bunch of people comparing Bubba Wallace to Jesse Smollett and just saying like, oh, well, he made a big deal out of just a rope that was hanging in his his garage. And then NASCAR released the picture and we rightly said, oh, no, no, that's a noose. But I understand there might be a purpose for the noose being there. It it can both be very jarring for someone to see and not directed at them at the same exact moment. Yeah. Uh, If I was Bubba Wallace and I walked into my garage and I saw that, I wouldn't I would be very upset about yeah. it. And I don't think anyone should be confused why Bubba Wallace is upset about that. I think even if it was a white driver who said something controversial uh, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you know, if Mark Martin said Black Lives Matter too and then walked in and saw a noose in his thing, I think he would be they directed unnerved at me. as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the fact that NASCAR was, was, you know, worked with the FBI, tried to get to the bottom of it. It wasn't directed at Bubba. Yeah. All these things I think are, are positive signs, but the, the it, it doesn't change the fact that Bubba is allowed to be upset at what he saw at the moment he saw it and to be upset after the fact because when you see something that's jarring like that, then it can stick with you. It can be hard to hard to tell somebody like, oh, it's not about you. And it's not, you know, this happens all the time with, uh, uh, not to say that these are like apples to oranges but like it happens with rape victims a lot mm-hmm. where they go like you know like well why was it me and it's just like it didn't have to be because it was you it, this is the situation like it's not you know it doesn't make you, you feel better yeah, about it it doesn't make you feel better it's, it doesn't take away the the way you feel about how it happened or how you feel about that person yeah. but just because you were the victim doesn't necessarily mean it was directed at you all the time. You know, this like, guy left his house. You happen to be the person walking down the street on his street. Yeah, that's that's you're you weren't targeted. It was target of opportunity. This is kind of similar. It was right. there. It, whoever walked in that garage was going to find it. If it was that dude who said he was going to quit because you know they wouldn't let him have the Confederate flag. Yeah, he might have thought it was directed at him. Like. Yeah. You know, we're we're New South. We're gonna string up racist. Maybe I don't know. But I mean, if I if I walked in and saw a noose, I would. I, I, if 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 I thought there was a reason that people would want me dead, and I saw that, then I'd be ner- I would be nervous about it. Yep. Yeah. Um. But uh, another impact, uh, prob- a better one, one that's positive, is uh, Corey and I noted when we were looking up pictures for uh, for Baba Wallace, there was a picture of him talking after the race, and behind him were. I'll say a crowd. 
a group, but it was yeah. a large group. A dozen-ish of, people? Of a black, young people wearing BLM t-shirts at a NASCAR race. And if I heard myself 10 years ago say that sentence, I would not believe that it was true. Yeah. But NASCAR is doing exactly what they need to do, what we'd said weeks ago. You want to attract young people. You want to attract left people who think that maybe this sport is more than just racist old white guys. You're doing everything you can to prove that point. Yeah. And good for them. I, you know, I, I, we're waiting. Bubba Wallace is the Jackie. Ro- he's not the Jackie Robinson of, of NASCAR. There have been other black drivers before, but he is the clean cut, all American. The guy who can is young and has a long career in front of him. It remains to be seen if he is going to be as good as some of the other drivers, not a statement about his race, a statement about his skill as a driver. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but they found something. I mean, there've been black, black racers who were super successful. I mean, uh, fuck, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Is that his name? F1 driver. He was an F1. Yes. Yeah, he's going to say he's he like also one did of the, a little NASCAR, but he's like one of the most team. decorated race car drivers in the world. Yeah. You know? And so like, <laughs> it's not, there, there, there has never been a reason why there couldn't be more black drivers in NASCAR, other than the fact there wasn't an opportunity for as many people, as many black people, to get into NASCAR. Is well, that- also the problem is they run a lot of those races in the South, and they had a hard time keeping the cops off the track because they'd see a black guy behind the wheel, and it was just like <laughs> lights and sirens up on the track trying yeah. to pull people over. Uh, and then it's calling the copter. He's trying to drive away. He's at a high speed. I don't know what's going on. It's <laughs> It was a whole mess, but it looks like NASCAR is trying to get a handle on that. <laughs> Newspaper calls up the union, asks what's going on to get some answer. <laughs> Shake Shack per- poisoning our burgers. And- <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess that that is it for sports ball. This week. whole fucking mess. We never talked about that one either, though. And it's just one of my like at some point. We're going to have a slow week after Corona is yes, all done. And yeah. We're all going to just take a collective vacation from the news and nothing will happen. And we'll talk about all the weird things that we just never got a chance to talk about. Like a lady who's not a cop crying about poisoning <laughs> cops or cops saying they got poisoned. We talked about didn't. that one a little bit, though. Yeah, we did. Well, I, there is so much to parse out on yeah. all of those stories, but uh, that'll be for another day. For today, a place that is seemingly as unpredictable as a NASCAR racetrack right now. <laughs> the Supreme Court of the United States. So the Supreme Court had yet another decision come down this week, and this is the way that it happens. When they have a couple of big decisions, they will let them come out over the course of a few weeks, but they hear oral arguments all together. Uh, so in March, they heard a bunch of oral arguments. They'll hear them again in October, and uh, in between are times where they write and release the uh, opinions and where they decide the cases for the next time. So if you're watching on the video, which you should be on YouTube, Twitter, or on Periscope, Twitch, uh, wherever, on Facebook, you'll see that there's an image next to me here of Justice John Roberts making a face. And I believe, if if I can get into his head, that's the face that he is basically making 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week now. Because everyone on the right who was there when Bush nominated him is like, John, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, mm, I and he's a lawyer for reagan too that's the other like (laughs) lawyer for reagan named chief justice under bush like and then coming out on weird signs on some of these decisions but uh and then of course everybody on the left is looking at him and being like john you're our hero and he's like 
I don't want to see that. We're not going to go that far yet. But Hero of the left, John Roberts. Who would have ever said that? But for now, the third decision in this term, John Roberts has come out in a way that is surprising to everyone who knows the court. Uh, the, a decision came down about an abortion case out of Louisiana. Essentially what this case was is that uh, abortion doctors, uh, doctors at clinics who performed abortions, had to also have privileges at the nearest emergency room to that clinic. And any patient at the uh, clinic had to agree to allow emergency care to be done at that emergency room. So essentially it was handcuffing people to say, you need to release, be, you need to pre our services release your information to that hospital so that I, if necessary, can then go there to provide emergency care for you, which doesn't happen at any other clinic for, for any other reason. Yeah. You can walk in. I can walk into any. If I, if I have care. a foot problem, nobody goes like, well, I have to be regulated to this emergency room. Like, nope. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> if something goes wrong, I just think they would just take me to the emergency room and whoever was there would handle it. Like, and uh, your urgent care. I, I have Kaiser, so it's a little different because everything's Kaiser. But for most insurances that aren't Kaiser type HMOs, they're just like, where's go to the closest urgent care. We don't care where it is. Just go. We'll pay for it. It's fine. Stay <laughs> out of the emergency room. That's the expensive one for us. Go, go to the ER yeah. or go to the UR. They, they're urgent care. You see urgent care. And, um, that's essentially what would happen is that if, if something went wrong, which by the way happens in so few, yeah. so few cases, if it's something not, went wrong, it's not the same thing as it used to be with like, you know, the coat hangers and yeah. stuff like that, <laughs> which by the way is what these laws the are alternative. trying to push. Yeah. The, yeah. They're trying to push the alternative back. to not having safe and available abortions is people doing very dangerous things. Uh, using herbs or medicines, yeah. which aren't really medicines or coat hangers. Like it, it is a really bad alternative. But so the I, the irony of this is it is essentially rehearing a case that came up uh, from 2016 and was heard, I think, in 2018. I think it was heard in 2018. So uh, are, are we talking about the original decision? The original, so there was a Texas case that was heard. That was 2016. It was heard in 2016. Yeah. So uh, the Texas law went into effect sometime before. And then someone challenged the law and it was up on appeal when Louisiana put their law into place. After Louisiana put their law into place, uh, the Texas decision came down. And then when someone challenged Louisiana law, the Fifth Circuit refused to hear the case because they said, we already know. We've heard this Texas case. Yeah. We're not going to hear this case again. We're deciding. So they pushed it up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court basically said, we're not going to let you put this law, uh, this uh, law into, in, into effect. We're going to hold it. And we're going to get some thought about whether we're going to hear it. And then we'll decide. Um, and then Louisiana joined third-party plaintiffs, which were apparently women who may or may not seek services at the clinic. Do you want to switch to the two-shot? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who may or may not uh, seek services at the clinic, but would want to have access to emergency care. Yeah. So once they joined third parties, then it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court came down with a decision. And as I said, John Roberts' surprising decision was he sided with the majority— Maybe not so surprising, except for the majority was the liberal judges on the court. Yeah. And essentially they came down and said, we decided this in 2016. These cases are essentially identical. There are a few little differences, but not so much that we need to upset precedent. Yeah. The, the Texas one was something about like, you have to be an emergency room doctor within a certain like radius of like your office for the abortion has to be a certain radius from the emergency room. Yeah. So uh, basically it created a rule where 
nobody would allow you to like be a doctor within a radius of the, the thing to back end having to have anyone available to do it. So like, yeah, essentially the, the, there was a met, uh, a Texas medical professionals association rule, which is that you couldn't perform abortions within a certain distance of a hospital where you had privileges. Then this law said, well, in order to perform abortions, you have to have privileges at a hospital within this certain distance. Yeah. And those were a Venn diagram that did not overlap. Right. It didn't allow you to actually have, privileges so the court struck it down but they didn't point that point out what they said is it is a it's a bar to getting services to make them have privileges it doesn't matter about the distances it doesn't matter about any of that making a doctor have privileges at a hospital nearby is a bar yeah now luckily they made that very broad decision because this essentially said oh there's no distance rules we're just saying you have to have a privilege at a nearby hospital yeah so in the, the very broad category of cases, this one fell into it. And John Roberts didn't side with the majority opinion. He wrote his own concurrent opinion to the majority, but sided with them in the decision and took many people by surprise, although less surprised than this would have been, I don't know, five weeks ago when right. this happened the first time. Uh, and I stand by the, the mentality that Roberts is doing a Scalia only to the opposite end of the spectrum. Because Scalia would figure out what decision he wanted to find and then work his way back until he justified it along right. with the law. He would find he would find one Supreme Court decision that would make him feel like he could rule in a way, even if there were 10 other ones that yeah. voted against him. And I, he would say, oh, this one that I'm using to cite for this argument is more indicative of exactly what we're talking about yes. in this situation. And yes. if you go back to the constitution, you won't find that these 10 things have anything to do with the, the ruling of the constitution, but this one does. And like finding the, finding the answer by, by means of, uh, uh, uh the, the strategic example. logic. Like, so this was mentioned, uh, this issue was mentioned in federalist 71, which relates back to, I think you jokingly said in the uh, in meeting, the Magna Carta. So uh, because this issue was mentioned in Federalist 71, which was also part of the constitutional discussion and relates back to the Magna Carta, I can predate all of these, con these Supreme Court decisions <laughs> by going back to Federalist 71 and the Magna Carta. Exactly. Therefore, this is the correct decision. And that makes no logical sense. And a lot of his decisions made no logical sense. In a way, Roberts makes more logical sense. He said, we just decided I mean, just you, you still this. see that kind of logic on the court with, you know, Alito. And <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, in the minority decision, I imagine, basically said, it doesn't matter if we hear these cases every year. The court's allowed to change its mind. But Roberts, by siding with the majority, uh, the liberal majority, essentially said, no. We decided this two years ago. There's nothing substantially different in this case. We want to stop people from just pushing up cases just because we get a new justice. The court must have continuity across everything. Uh, Brown versus Board of Education overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, which was 60 years old at the time, I yeah. think. And just basically was like, we've changed justices four times over before we reached the point where someone made an argument that made sense to overturn the precedent. We don't wait two years for three new justices to overturn a precedent just because we tend to lean the different direction. Yeah. And maybe that's all it is. We said this about his last decision. Maybe this is just the one time he's going to do it. And we've happened to have three yeah. of those one times in a row. Or John Roberts is worried about how he'll look in history and how this is going to play out for the next well, 20 years. I mean, he, he, he has mentioned in, in the past about, uh, 
be, wanting to be more like Marshall than like uh, who guy Rainy or something like that. The Supreme Court justice who. Uh, way back when did Dred Scott and stuff like uh, that. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Marshall uh, of course is John Marshall who established long running precedents for the court. Right. Rainey was the one who had basically got overturned by the civil war. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, and like the sort of thought that like in judicial circles, like one is a joke and one is the greatest hero of all time. And you don't want to be, you don't want people looking back at your time on the top of the court and saying like, Oh my God, he f- ruined everything. Yep. He, he did not, go with the times at all he did not use proper legal justifications for what he did and now we're in this position uh and i i think that weighs on roberts a lot more and when you're one of nine people on the court that's got to weigh with you a lot like yeah. you got to think you know it, it you're not just a rubber stamp you're you're it, it's your legacy on the line and people are going to remember a justice doing something a lot more than they're going to remember some you know ohio senator yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think that the... Uh, you have to be particularly bad to to be remembered beyond your years. Like, people remember McCarthy, but how many other senators from, from the 60s do you remember yeah. who weren't who weren't president at some point? Who didn't you become know? president yeah. or run for president <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that, that that whole reign... Like, so you don't even make the court... Well, before Trump, you would not have made the court by sticking by your guns on bad decisions. There are judges right now in the federal level who are passing bad precedents yeah. because they know they'll be overturned on appeal. But what they want to do is to catch Trump's attention and be like, this guy, he sticks to his guns. And if I'm looking for to bump somebody up, that's the guy I want. Yeah. But before this, before Trump, you would say a guy who gets turned over 50% of the time, I don't want him on a higher court. He right. makes bad calls. And not only does he make bad calls, but he makes easily appealable calls because somebody else saw that it was very clearly error. Have a conversation with any serious judge anywhere in the country and they will say the one thing I don't want to come back on me is some sort of procedural thing that turns this whole case around. Yeah. I don't want to have ruled on something that is going to be able to be the point of the appeal later on. I want to play this by the book and then anything that gets appealed is ineffective assistance or you know like uh, a brady violation or something that was totally out of my control yeah because you know like the the more you know somewhere in louisiana is the judge who ruled on this case that eventually goes to the supreme court yep uh at at some point this hurts him politically in louisiana uh for arguably not because louisiana courts upheld his decision right had to get to the federal court until somebody was like this is dumb let's not do this right but i'm saying like hypothetically like you know if if you constantly rule on cases that get sent all the way to the supreme court like i mean it means that you probably were working on hard cases but it's also like you you don't want the the scrutiny of somebody looking over your work no no matter how bad a supreme court justice was they weren't that guy in louisiana who keeps getting sent to the supreme court they were the guy who was just a really good jurist and then once they once Rainey got to the court, then he kind of got bad about being overturned a lot. Yeah. And th- I think the joke with those pre-Civil War cases is not that they got overturned. It's that you enforced something that led to civil war when you could have been that pressure relief valve to like, yeah. let it out a little bit and not make people go kill each other. Um, and, and, and in Marshall, if you're going to look to somebody, look to Marshall. And if that's what John Roberts is doing, fantastic. Look to history. I think also, though, part of this is he doesn't want to spend the next 20 years relitigating things every two years. Yeah. And that's what, if he had ruled with the minority 
every time a new justice comes up, they would just cycle new cases through. Well, there 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 was a there was a push if you remember uh prior to the 2016 election by a lot of uh when when it looked like there might be some openings on the court and it looked like uh pre-Trump the Republicans might be able to put up a somebody if somebody other than Trump in their imagination had won the White House then they'd have like eight years to be able to install this whole new right side of the court and stuff like that. (laughs) So they started thinking about the cases that were going to be hitting the Supreme court right around this time before the election. Mm -hmm. And then you get the, you get the presidency you want, you get to stack the court with two new seats uh, and you feel like you're in a good position. And then here's Roberts uh, looking at every single little dotted I and cross T to to figure out how he's going to screw you. And with this decision also saying, even though I keep telling you how to fix it, that doesn't mean <laughs> you should do it and then send it back up here because I'm going to side with the court's precedent. Yeah. And that was, I thought, the most interesting thing about this decision. It was like, he always seems to be hedging a bet by saying, uh, I'm not going to do it because you missed this up. But if you did this correctly, it would be fine. But then this time he almost undercuts himself because he's like, if we heard it two years ago, I'm not going to change. I will change the way that I vote to vote with whoever won the last With the time. opinion of the court. Yes. Yeah. Just to maintain that precedence until something big changes. Right. And if you bring me a, a, a case that has completely different situation and it fits, yep. then I'm going to rule on it and I'm going to rule the way you want. But I can't, I can't just willy nilly change my opinion when just the court because. has ruled on it. Yeah. Well, I, in fact, he will, he will willy nilly change, change it, yeah. his opinion. <laughs> he just won't change the court's opinion. Yeah. And honestly, the, that whole, the more that I mull it over while we're talking, <laughs> that Marshall opinion, that the idea of being John Marshall is that John Marshall was not in the majority all the time. Yeah. But they made precedents that lasted a long time. And that was his way of doing it. It's like, no, we're not going to hear that. We heard that. Just because I got two new guys up here with me doesn't mean we get to rehear it and revote. Yes, maybe I would be in the majority this time. Yeah. But I'm not even going to hear the case because I don't want to give them that chance. So, uh, but speaking of uh, <laughs> things going way up. <laughs> well, I was going to say, let's uh, let's actually skip down because uh, we can kind of lightning round the COVID update. So if you're looking for the COVID update, stick around for just a little bit. We'll hit that at the end of the show. Right now, I want to get into our... Uh, our Treason corner? <laughs> I was going to say, can we call it that? It. Essentially is right. Like, I mean, uh, it's the problem is it's either treason or stupidity to a level we've never quite seen before. So which one do you want to yeah, admit to? Let's modify our previous game. Now let's play <laughs> dumb or treason. Uh, and uh, I don't know. You want to be on either side of that. But who are we talking about? Corey? <laughs> so uh, Trump, as always, <laughs> who else would we be talking about with our treason questions? Uh <laughs> So word came out that uh, it was a New York Times piece talking about how Russian uh, Vladimir Putin had uh, put bounties on American soldiers through intermediaries, uh, specifically uh, Taliban fighters in Afghanistan were seen with five hundred thousand dollars in American money, American dollars in like their their, uh, you know, headquarters or whatever it was. And uh the the soldiers who found that found it very odd because it's unusual that American money would be there. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, unless we gave it to them. Well, yeah, if I mean, we like, gave them the five hundred thousand. Now that something tells it, me but... it's not a not leftover from when Clinton or Bush Senior were giving it to Bin Laden. I think right. this is a new new income stream for them. Uh, and it turns out that. Uh, 
Putin apparently was was doing this. It's not for sure, but all intelligence sources are kind of pushing to this. And it made it to the presidential briefing uh, for, you know, his his twice weekly security briefing and stuff like that. Uh, So Trump either heard it and decided that Putin offering to pay to kill American soldiers is no big deal or he didn't hear it. And his staff didn't think that he was capable of handling that or that, you know, there wasn't enough here to go off of, at which point they don't know what needs to be brought to the president. And at that point, he has just filled his staff with the dumbest people who have ever been in the executive branch in the history of the office. Like, or there, there's just one guys- of the two. It, it'd be like if on September 9th, somebody came up to, you know, like was sitting in the corner going like, heard rumors about planes into buildings, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Should I bring it up or not? Like... They did, they did bring it up to Bush, though. I know, but I'm saying, like, they at least they brought at it least up. They knew. Yeah, yes, at least they, they knew to bring it down. And what, what Bush and the team did at that point was say, I don't see enough to draw a direct connection to one specific event. So I'm not shutting down airplane travel across the country because we don't know yeah. what we're talking about here. And if we do that, then they're just going to postpone. And like, you know, like there was, there was, we have to figure out more about it, but it nobody was, was looking at Bush and also saying he's not very happy today. Today's not a good, bad news day. Yeah. Uh, that rally that he just had didn't work out. Right. So we need to find something else to boost his spirits. Then we can give him the bad news. Yeah. I mean like part of being president in my mind, if I imagined myself being president or me being governor or mayor or any of thing like this, I think about all the bad news I'm going to get all the time and how I have to uh, uh, be able to take this bad news and direct people, a group of people that are under my employ, to go out there and try and make some sort of change in, the, in, in, in uh, that news. Uh, we're going to we're going to take this news of Putin and we're going to sanction him or we're going to say, do it again and we'll murder you or whatever, whatever you feel like is the appropriate response for Putin threatening to but kill soldiers. He's got the PP tape. I know. I know. Tape. the pro- This is the problem with having a president who's in his pocket. That's the, that's <laughs> the pro- the whole thing about the Manchurian candidates. <laughs> I, I I'm. And by the way, that's the understated part of the Manchurian candidate is the decisions he make don't make sense. Everyone's around him looking like, why is he doing this? Because he's a Manchurian candidate. Not only that, further, there were how many fucking Benghazi uh, things in the the house? 11 11 hearings. And every single one of them was about when did she know it? When did she hear? What did she do? What did like how did Hillary Clinton knowledge of this situation impact the deaths that happened in Libya. Yeah. Uh, Understandable. If you think that Hillary Clinton knew about this a month and a half ahead of time with specific details and said, fuck these soldiers that that's a, that's a treasonous offense. Yeah. And that's what they were hoping they'd find. They'd find some email where she was just like, what the fuck do I care? And that would, that was it. The smoking gun there. We have it. But (laughs) <laughs> they never found it because it wasn't there. And, you know, you can make arguments about deleted emails, blah, 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 I, whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care. I, I, it, you did it. You had 11 shots at it and you never, you never got a chance to nail it down. That's the problem. One fucking hearing. I feel like bring in everybody who was in the national security council who would be delivering these briefings. Bring in Bolton. Bring Bolton in Bolton. Talk. Do He'll whatever. talk. Do whatever. Bring, there's a lot of people you could be bringing in right now going like, Hey, did you tell the president about this? Why not? And then 
say like, oh, so it was this research staff that decided that we weren't going to do it? Interesting. Bring them all in front of Congress. Let's talk to them. Let's see what happens. Because it, it feels like the Democrats are just like, he's imploding. There's no reason to, to get involved. Like, why are we going to, he's going to just, you know, like, fucking nosedive on his own burn out yeah Yeah, why the fuck are we even bothering like going through going through constitutional checks and (laughs) checks and balances here like arguably though biden's gonna be president in november why are we even bothering like (laughs) it is a very much like hillary's gonna win mentality but there is a chance that they upset some sort of one of the other things we were going to talk about the swing states that are swing states that shouldn't be swing states you don't want to push that back the other way by investigating too much and giving him ammunition to look good. You don't have to call like Trump in to testify. You just bring in enough people that you can figure out what the story is. I mean, like, I, I just don't that, you know, he's going to be upset about it one way or the other. But there's nothing you can do because Congress has the power to <laughs> oversight. Like, you know, there, there's there's it's within their constitutional grounds to be able to do this. So do yeah, it. Fair enough. All right. Fucking do your do job. Yeah. Do your job or quit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, uh, at the same time, maybe move a little bit faster on like Heroes Act and all this other shit and like figuring out when like, you know, if we're going to extend rent or Larry Kudlow saying that uh, people on unemployment don't need an extra 600 a week and blah, 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 blah. Maybe figure out some of these things at the same time. But certainly let's call some people in in front of a congressional testimony and get their words on the record. Ooh. Hey, <laughs> you want us to stop our uh, hearings about Trump? Yeah, we'd really like to give everybody a second installment of that uh, payment plan. How are we feeling about that? Because <laughs> Trump already said he was going to do it. Yeah. So if you guys will vote for it, we'll cut these hearings. And we'll start negotiating that. No. Okay, hearings it is then, I guess. I don't... <laughs> I mean, we were ready to vote on Heroes Act, but uh, I guess if the Senate wants to sit around, we'll just do hearings instead. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we can do that. Call up the whole NSC just so they can figure out what the fuck's going on. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say, there's another, of course, uh, story about Trump this week, and it's not the makeup on his collar. I hope it's good. <laughs> it's not the makeup on his collar. It's. I, uh... I hope it's a rare good story for Trump. I feel bad. <laughs> It is the uh, a tweet, a retweet, if you will. Oh well, this can't be wrong. Yeah, nothing could go wrong here. What uh, What was that retweet about? So uh, it was people on golf carts with like "Make America Great Again" signs and stuff like that. And if you were to believe Trump's logic that he didn't listen, or actually, I think it was Kaylee McEnany's mm-hmm. uh, uh, logic that he retweeted it without listening to it, uh, which could change one's opinion on the video. But if you uh, unmuted it, you would notice that within the first five seconds, there's a guy who says white power. And then three or four more times throughout the course of the two minute video, he's going white power, white power. I am guilty of watching. Just just like, by the way, not to not to uh, sound like I'm picking on people here, but just like a fucking racist would. Every single time I hear somebody who's super racist say the words white power, it's always like white power. It's never somebody who's just like I would like to. I would like to make it a another call for white power at this time. You know, like, all right, Dave Chappelle, the white guy. It's always, it's always some guy going ah. And I will say, I am guilty of not playing the sound on tweets. <laughs> I see. I watch the video. It's cops bashing somebody's skull in. I'm like, I don't need to hear his cries for his mother. I understand what's happening <laughs> yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. And Trump maybe watch the video play and Trump uh, or Twitter automatically mutes videos for me now. I don't know if it does it for him too, but it's muted until I hit unmute. I don't know if it's the same for you. 
Hmm. I just unmute it. Like okay. I'm usually, yeah, so, I'm usually watching for the audio in both, in both parts. So. Oh, I, I sometimes I'm at work and uh, if I don't have my headphones plugged yeah, yeah. in, it's one of those things. I get it. He's supposed to be, you know, presidenting. Maybe he doesn't want people to know he's on Twitter. <laughs> he's like, I'm sending a very important email to the National Security Council. Maybe it was while the NSC was talking about Trump, Putin killing people. He's just like, uh, just power, listening to funny. the video, retweeting. <laughs> Got his um, AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue, though, that Trump and I are not the same. And if you're the president of the United States, maybe take the effort of doing what Corey does and listening to the audio <laughs> of a video before you retweet it. It's it's amazing that all these years we had presidents and like they were all so careful about the words that they chose. Yeah. Because if you if you used one word that put a little bit of question in the minds of people then they would they would drill down your statement and they'd be like, well, what does Obama mean by this? What does Millard Fillmore mean by this? You know, mm-hmm. like, but now it's just like, what does the president mean by his white power retweet video? I think it means that he's a racist. <laughs> no, what Pretty else sure. That, Pretty sure I that's what, what I was going to say. I mean, like, the other it part... It wasn't weird to him that somebody would shout white power the in other, that situation. The other part so. of this is that, like, say I was just scrolling through Twitter and I wanted to retweet something, right? Yeah. And I accidentally retweeted a video of white power. Like, I didn't put a comment or anything like that. Or maybe even I put an unrelated comment. Like, I can't wait for the Orioles to come back. And then it's a white power video, right? <laughs> I would imagine that Rob would call me up, like, ASAP. Like, 30 seconds after the tweet went up going, like, hey, do you know you just posted a white power thing on your... I'm just like, oh, fuck. And then I go back and I delete it. And then I probably send out a tweet going, like, hey, I made a horrible, awful error. Please yes. ignore my last tweet, which was deleted. But uh, So he I can't not- delete them. Right. I he mean, was, like, he was told he you, can't delete any tweets, but he could have followed up with like. He actually did delete the tweet, though. Did he? Yeah. He's not he, supposed to delete tweets. He deleted the tweet. So above the law. So I guess it doesn't matter. Um, Apparently, Republicans were saying, please delete the tweets. <laughs> it went away pretty quick. There's going to be a record of it in the uh, Congressional the Records Act or the um, Presidential Records okay, Act. Okay, so maybe it'll still be that. Maybe that's the rule. Is like It'll live on in it. the Smithsonian somewhere. <laughs> By the way, yes. Trump's tweets will all be in the Smithsonian. Congratulations, White Power Guy. You've made it to the Smithsonian. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope that that ruins the lives of your children and grandchildren for many generations to come. We should make a wing dedicated to you. Um. But there's also, so it wasn't just Twitter. Uh, It seems like the entire internet is turning on Trump at this point. Uh, Twitter is flagging his his tweets, the ones Mm. that aren't uh, deleted by him immediately because they're overtly (laughs) racist. Facebook is making changes. Uh, Reddit is just clearing out his supporters. Twitch has booted his channel. With Reddit, including the r slash the Donald, which is like the preeminent. The center of Donald on the the internet. The official unofficial Twitter or Reddit page of Donald Trump. Yeah. uh, They've sort of like let go because like even though it was filled with awful racist horribleness, it was still like. It's still the Donald. We feel like we can't do anything about this. But they finally did. Yeah, they finally did. And <laughs> they used the list of that uh, that particular Reddit th- uh, stream thread, whatever it is, yeah. um, to start banning people and getting them off the platform. So that's nice, too. But uh, the biggest thing, I think, is Twitch uh, cited hateful conduct on his channel, which his Twitch channel is apparently just reposting videos of what he says. So yeah. um, One of my favorite Twitter accounts right now that's out is uh, the... The one that posts exactly what will Trump tweets me? and then figures out like when he violates Twitter's yep. guidelines. It, it, it's called, will, I believe it is, will they ban me? I yeah. don't know the Twitter, but if you just search for will they ban me, you'll find the actual account with the username. Right. And he, word for word, copies and pastes exactly what the president puts in. And he has been banned like six times in four weeks. Yeah. 
And I'm pretty sure, like, every single time he creates a new account, like, will I be banned eight or something? Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's the same one. Because what they they ban him, but they shadow ban him. It's just like, if you delete this tweet, we'll let you come back. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Uh, and, and here's the rule on Twitter. As long as you don't stick to your guns, they don't delete your account. If you're just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll delete it, then they take you I off made ban. a mistake. Some people are just like, no, I stand by that racist statement. And then they just delete your whole account. So... Or uh, people realize, oh, I just got caught doing something racist. So they delete their whole account anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, he just he just un- deletes the tweet. They unban him. And then he goes about getting banned again, saying the exact same thing that the president does. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it, so terrible. Uh, yeah. And in this hour of our greatest need, <laughs> I'd just like to remind you all that it's Joe Biden who's going to be our savior. It's Joe Biden who his turned Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee into swing states. Arizona, too. Arizona. <laughs> Honestly, I feel as though it's we somehow entered the 1960 election, and that's what we're doing. Just take the four states that went wrong for Hillary. Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Florida. Yeah. Pennsylvania as well, if we're, if we're extending it to like a, a, a fifth there. Yeah. Uh, in all five, five of those states... Biden is beating Trump by more than the margin of error. By far more. Enough yeah. that they're not in considered some of the, swing some anymore. some of these plays, way more than the yeah. margin of error. So with that alone is not the electoral college victory that Trump had before. Yep. If in addition to that, you're picking off huge states that are reliably red, then you are in unprecedented territory. So I, I saw uh, one of the tumblers that I follow is uh, The Way to 270. Mm-hmm. 270? Yeah. Yeah, the way to 270. And um, basically, every day they post a different way that the electoral map, or every week, they post a different way the electoral map can break down to get you to 270. And I didn't realize why until I saw this story after the fact. But the one this week was California, Texas, Florida, New York, and basically the Great Lakes states. You get to 270 just with that. Yeah. You don't need to win anything else, and you get to 270. And I was like, holy shit, like Texas really, Texas and Florida are the two mainstays of Republicans that keep them in the yeah. race. It offsets New York and California. And and whenever a Democrat wins Florida in recent years, that has it's, tossed it's, the race, it's right? basically the, 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 that's why it's the ultimate toss up state. Yeah. If you, if you manage to win Florida, you manage to win the election somehow if you're a Democrat. So if, if Biden gets Texas plus California and New York, which I'm just assuming are going to go his way anyway. I think it's pretty, pretty solid bet. And he picks up Florida and then either Wisconsin or Michigan plus all of the secure states that Hillary got. Let's call them secure Wisconsin or no, uh, Washington, Oregon, Massachusetts, Maryland, (laughs) and everything on the East coast up until Maryland. And then he's also ahead in Virginia. He's ahead in North Carolina, not even including this, just Hillary safe states plus Texas states and Florida, that states it. that were purple for Hillary are solid blue right now. And yes. it, if you, it, this is not meant to like be like, oh, I'm so thankful for Joe. Like I'm very nervous about this whole very this fucking thing, especially because I hope I worry that people are going to hear like they did for Hillary and <laughs> that not go this vote. Is, this is all locked up and not go vote. Uh, this is not the time to rest on your laurels, people. Vote no. regardless. Like, go, just go out and vote. Everyone who was out there protesting should be voting too, because yep. that's that's the direct way that you make some sort of change in this. Whether or not you, whether you like it or not, that's the direct way you make some change. I'm still uh, not going to vote, but you all <laughs> should vote if you think it'll actually make a difference. I don't really. I still think you should you should uh, write in for the uh, congressman in uh, Maryland first. 
Why is that? Just because the, I'm still know, there. The, yeah. yeah. Get and, get uh, get Andy out of there. Although he's Luda's. doing really poorly. Yeah. Uh, all that time back in Trump. Surprising. Well, all that time back in Trump <laughs> is backfiring. I think. Um, and, and the last thing on the Trump, uh, the Trump bandwagon. I just wanted to mention it offhand. Parlor. <laughs> Parlor is a. I'm uh, excited for this part. It's a new social media platform, um, and it's it's billed as uh, a place where the first amendment can truly live. Yeah. And essentially it's just like, Hey, post kind of whatever you want. We true, we, um, fact check everything. So everything is fact checked, but you can post whatever you want. So long as it's truthful, you can post what you want. The CEO said anything you can say on the street, in New York city. Yeah. So, well, and we I guess arguably you could say some things that are untrue on the street in New York city, but I think the argument is like, yeah, if you like, do it with the intention of telling the truth, I think that's we, all that we will allow all comers on all stories. So yeah. it's not meant to be your grandma's. It's not Facebook. It's not your grandma's platform where it needs to be like, you know, serve safe to everybody who sees it. No, you want to put one about how, uh, hookers are the, the newest big voting block in New York city. That's Reddit, fine, Reddit is to 4chan as Twitter is to parlor. I think that that is exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the dregs of the internet, but there'll also be a lot of truth there. Yeah. So I joined Parler. And if you'd like, you can find me on Parler. Corey, you want to take a guess what my username is? At Robert Enchi. It's at Robert Enchi. <laughs> Surprisingly, it was still available. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have imagined. To, nobody tried to sneak it out of there. Uh, and here's what I'm going to tell you. It is quite, Q-W-H-I-T, right wing in there. <laughs> um, I spent nearly an hour looking for anything I might consider left of center I was unable to find it. <laughs> Wall Street Journal's on it, but I consider Wall Street Journal to be essentially Joe Biden, just kind of conservative Democrat. I always thought of it more as like a George Will, but okay. like sort of a, a Republican, a conservative, but not necessarily like a crazy Republican. Sure. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, but New York Times, didn't find them. Right. Um, Washington Post, didn't find them. LA Times, didn't find them. Um, most major news outlets actually didn't find them, but, uh, I did find wall street journal and, um, a bunch of things that claim to be newspapers and or media, but which are questionably that <laughs> they might be able to get credentials at the white house, but I don't think that makes the media, you know what I mean? So the Spokane times American, uh, Breitbart, <laughs> Breitbart's on there. And then I imagine OAN's on there. OAN is on there. Yeah. Uh, and every conservative politician is on there. My top three suggested mm-hmm. people for uh, for uh, Parler, Donald Trump, uh, t- uh, Cruz, and um, Ted Cruz. I don't. I actually I shouldn't say three because I, I know that I can't say who was in the top three. But Paul, Rand Paul was in the top of the list. Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump were both suggestions on that list. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan was in that list. Um, and a bunch of conservatives who I don't know specifically, but I'm like, oh, I've seen you on the wrong side of stuff. I, <laughs> I know. You're from Florida. I remember your face from being on the wrong side of something I disagreed with. And You're that fucking guy, aren't you? Rick Scott. Yeah, that fucking that's guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, oh, Devin Nunez was my in my top three. Oh, it yeah. was Trump, Cruz, and Devin Nunez. And I think that's because I said I was from California, and he's like the only one from California on there. Mm. Um I was surprised they didn't give me McCarthy. Mm, I don't think so. But it might have been further down on the list. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, I can already tell none of your <laughs> suggestions are going to be me. Let's go look for in the Discovery I'm also tab. just assuming every Republican is on there too. So, um, so 
that's the thing is the CEO of Parler basically put out a call like, hey, libs, hey, uh, mm-hmm. leftist, come join. <laughs> it's turning into kind of like, you know, the worst place on earth right now. <laughs> so like, I'm there. Like to get a little bit of fair and balanced in here, if you don't mind. So uh, here's my plan, Corey. Uh, yeah. I want to see what you think of this. I think I'm just going to start shit trolling everybody <laughs> on Parler. I'm going to start posting, making medium articles that are just, I, I mean, I'm not going to say they're lies. They are me, <laughs> which is basically the nightmare for anyone on the right, because it's like uh, highly educated, understands the law, uh, can make a decent argument with well thought out points. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to just find some of the most popular stories on Parler, go write an answer to that in, you know, 200 characters, post it on Medium and then post it on Parler in response to the things that people are posting and just see one, do I get banned? Is the call for liberals really real? Or is it more like I want to draw attention to conservatives to come out to the platform? Also, I really want to get blocked by some really famous (laughs) people. Like Devin Nunes. Yes. I want Devin Nunes to block me. I want to, I want to build up. By the way, uh, uh, not that it's a big deal, but just as a thing, uh, he's not Devin Nunez. It's Nunez. Nunez. I know. I, (laughs) I don't because know if you know he, he prefers he prefers to not have his name sound Spanish. If you, I'm I'm dating a Hispanic girl, so I tend to just throw those things in there un, without thinking about yeah. it. And I heard you say Nunez, and I could not say Nunez. I had to say Nunez because I know there's a tilde, even if he doesn't want to admit it. Um, but yeah, I, I just want basically I want to build up. Uh, I think that there is uh, there's something like 300 members of Congress who are conservative at this point. Mm-hmm. No, it's got to be less. No, it's than less that. than that because it's uh, Congress is, is held or the the House is held by the Democrats. Let's say that it's 240 people. It's 438 members of Congress. 495, 495 plus 100, right? No, because there's 538 total. Oh, you're right. Yep, yep, you're right. So 438 plus 100 is 538, and so. The Senate is fifty one forty nine, and the House is some majority to the. What's that? Isn't it fifty two or fifty three? Uh, maybe it's fifty two. So there's fifty two, and then something like two hundred congressmen. Yeah. So that's two hundred fifty. My goal is to build two hundred and fifty on my block list. <laughs> I want to make the Republican Congress, and I want to make it in my block list. That's going to be my goal. I'm just going to shit post everybody and see how it works. Right? I think I don't think you really need to write up whole articles to get that done. I Probably think not. I just, just my I just, comments alone could do that. Yeah, done. Just, <laughs> just be like Black Lives Matter and just watch yourself get banned. It's going to be so much quicker than the medium articles. Oh, I'm just yeah. I suppose you're right. But I guess we'll have to see whether or not Parler really wants libs in there. Because if I start posting medium articles, then it's like, hey, this guy is posting liberal stuff. Let's block him. Let's shadow ban him. Like, okay, well, I was I always like to judge the sensitivity of my politicians by if I get blocked by. Them. Like also all credit to Stephanie Rawlings Blake. I said a lot of shit about her on the internet and never blocked, never blocked me. Never so, blocked. You know, polite applause yes. to Stephanie Rawlings Blake for that one. Uh, to I be wonder fair, there was a lot of shit talk, so I'm not sure she actually got down to you. <laughs> she, she had a lot of mentions to work. <laughs> I sometimes I wonder like if Garcetti's is going to be like, all right, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm done with this. Paper, guys. <laughs> Um, but so, uh, usually politicians don't like it when you call them cowards on Twitter. I found that's a, that's a quick way to get blocked by a, by a politician. But I did realize I have the chance to be the Joe Rogan of parlor. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) There are literally no libs on there at all. So I might be able to rank myself up high enough that everyone to the left of Biden 
get suggested me <laughs> on their list. And then next thing you know, I'm the wonder kid again, the way that I was when I was 21 and running for office. <laughs> it took a long time for me to get back here, but I love you libs. Let's do this. Yeah. Like uh, build my army. And then, uh, then some podcast posts are going to come back from 2014 and it's all going to be erupted. But what are you going to do? We're going to have to have a Jenna marbles moment. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately. So, uh, but Okay. Let's uh, lightning round the last topic can, of the day. I'm sorry. One, one final little Trump thing. Just okay, yes. Super quick. Uh, Iran <laughs> has decided to uh, file charges against Trump, by the way. Uh, so they're looking to get his arrest. They reached out to Interpol, who is the international police agency, mm-hmm. uh, to which Interpol responded like, oh, that's not really what we do around here. <laughs> and so uh, right now that, that warrant for Trump's arrest is just sort of sitting in Iran. Uh, but the interesting point you brought up is that uh, they they have a a uh, like litigation shield with with the OPEC nations basically. Like, well, yeah. So I mean, they have allies. Syria is yeah. an ally. Lebanon's an ally. Not likely that Trump's going to go to either of those places. Uh, Iraq theoretically is an ally, and Afghanistan is theoretically an ally. Not a plus of uh, of Iran. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if he goes there, he could be arrested. But more importantly is there is this this part of the OPEC nations that basically is like, hey, we have to trust each other. And part of that is if you're looking for a bad guy, we'll turn him over if he's in our country. There's a lot of plausible deniability when it's like some random dude. It's like, oh, we didn't even know he was here in Jordan. And right. he's gone before we knew he was here. When Trump comes, you know he's there. So if Iran says, hey, Saudi Arabia, Trump's planning a visit. We have a warrant. We would like you to serve on him and take him into custody. Will they do it? Yeah. And I think it's far more likely that at this point, Trump's just basically going to be like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no one lighter than my makeup. I'm not going to that country. Okay. Cor- Coronavirus has not made it into my Oval Office or bunker. So <laughs> most of those are where I stay. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I mean, I think... It, the question it's is, just an interesting story. That rarely does the president get charges of murder brought against yes. in another nation. And uh, another thing about that, we haven't it signed being, on. It had been such an unimportant story that we just sort of blow through the entire podcast without mentioning it. If Obama was was charged with oh. murder, we would spend an hour talking about it. Number it. one <laughs> story nationwide. Uh, but uh, also, uh, the U.S. Barely is, makes Twitter trending topics. The, the U.S. is not a signatory to uh, the Hague Convention, which allows uh, the International Criminal Court to exist. Yeah. Uh, we signed it, but we signed it with the caveat that you cannot charge any Americans under this agreement. So it's fine. It's good to be in the U.S. <laughs> um, and the question is, uh, the Iran also didn't sign it, I don't believe. Uh, will one of their partner countries, on be- their behalf, forward that to The Hague? Um, and if you may remember for a while, The Hague had charges for George W. Bush yeah. that it was holding on to. And when he left office, they essentially let it expire and just said, well... He's no longer in a position to hurt anyone else, so we're not going to come up uh, with charges. Yeah. Part of our job is to arrest active uh, people and yeah. get them out of power. Um, so we'll see. That would be fun, too. War crimes, that would be fun. That's that's something. Yep, let's that's, see that's how a, that goes. That's a crime you could commit and be punished for, I guess. Uh, not if you're Trump, because apparently uh, you're above the law. Uh, all right, so last topic, of course, as we promised earlier, we want to make sure to do a coronavirus update. Oh, wait, not uh, John Roberts. That's not who we're talking about. Coronavirus, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, as you can see to this on this graph, uh, to my, what is this, my right, I guess it's left as you're looking at the screen, you might say to yourself, I don't have no idea what this is. Well, this, my friends, is a graph I put together myself. Uh, this shows the 
Number of positive new positive tests day over day nationwide since March the 1st up and until uh, Friday because that's the earliest data that was available when I made the graph. Then after that, Saturday and Sunday's data came out, which was even more stark uh, yeah. than this. That little dip you see at the end, that's what we call a non-reporting day because it threw in Saturday and Sunday despite the fact that people don't turn in their test results on Saturday and Sunday. So it's actually going to be uh, way up higher than that. Um, and what you'll see is we are doing worse now than we have done at any point in this coronavirus uh, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, the numbers are up. They are way up. We are doing far more testing, but we're also getting far more positives. And no matter how the president wants to spin this, it's not about us doing more testing because our positivity rate had stabilized somewhere around 1, 1. 1.5%. And now we are at 5.6% nationwide, Yeah, which is actually far higher when you calculate that LA County, where we reside, is the fastest growing track of rate. Of, it, uh, it's the epicenter in the U.S. right now. Yes. The most cases have come out of LA County. Uh, not good. Um, I mean, we're also the biggest county, so we have that advantage towards being the most cases as well. But it, but it was likely going to skew uh, uh, LA or uh, New York counted all five boroughs as one number, which is why they skewed really hard. Yeah. Now LA County is doing that out of pure numbers because LA County is huge. Yeah. Um, good news, not related to the BLM protests. That's what we are getting out of, uh, see, but reports from last week. I mean, like I I've heard that. I, I don't think there's been a true study that, that says that straight up or down. I, so, I, I think I, th there hasn't been a lot of huge in, increases in, in tests in a lot of places where they've had uh, activity. But LA, then there's also been like LA, which has exploded. <laughs> like, but LA is doing really well at contact tracing as well. And what I'm hearing or what I'm reading is essentially these contact tracers are not finding that these people went out to protest. What they're finding is they went out to a bar. Yeah. That they went out to a restaurant. That they went out somewhere that may or may not have been following guidelines perfectly well. Question, who knows? But they weren't going out to protest. They were going out to have fun. And they met other people who were going out to have fun, and they gave it to each other. Someone gave it New to somebody, and now you're positive. Newsom, Newsom closed bars yesterday. And when Again, I drove yeah. by on Hollywood Boulevard last night Still on my way home, fucking Jameson's was packed, yep. and so was the uh, that other one that's right next to it. Like, uh, the Cantina one? Yeah. Yep. Uh, both of them were fucking packed with people. Well, that's and because it wasn't effective until today, Corey. So we got to get our last night of fun in. You know, uh, uh, right now, the, with with some things reopening and people feeling a little bit more safe about it, even though the numbers don't correspond with that, uh, there's been, like, a lot of talks of, like, hey, let's get out and just go to, like, you know, a cabin for the weekend and yep. just get out of L.A. or something like that. But, like, I, I'm just so nervous about, like, literally going anywhere. I, I don't want to touch anything. I just yep. want to – I just kind of want to bunker down for as long as I possibly can. I know it sucks, and I don't want to be here anymore, and I want to go back to set, and I want to go back to doing the things I love to do. But at the same time, I just have to realize – so the, the number I saw was one in every 400 people has coronavirus in the U.S. right now. So – that, you know, if you go to fucking church and there's 400 people there, one of them has the coronavirus. And if you're all in the same place for an hour under the same circulated air and yep. everything like that, Pence just had a thing where the choir were masks on and off. Yep. And off when they were singing and on when they weren't. But 
And the, one the of, choir alone was like 150 people. Yeah, so. but I'm saying one of those people yep. has coronavirus, and now they've projected it into the audience, and now the spread is unimaginable. <laughs> like, not everyone will get sick, but a whole ton of people will get sick. And those sick people will give it to other sick people. And the other problem is that just, like, I, people are just so fucking selfish. I can't even understand. Like, the... The people who are like getting fake notes on the internet to say that they have medical conditions that don't require them to wear masks, and people like making it so much about like freedom and all, all that. Like, yeah, I hiked up the hill to to box today for lunch, and I was wearing my mask. Sucks. And <laughs> walking up that hill under normal circumstances, a real pain in the ass because I'm fat and I get <laughs> winded by the end of it. And when you're wearing a mask, it's even worse. But yeah. you know what? I wore my mask the whole time. I stopped about halfway through. I like lifted it up. I gave myself a couple breaths just to make sure I was getting some nice clean air. Dropped it back down. Made the rest of the hill. To be fair, that's a little overkill. No, but I'm saying. Was there anybody around you? No, but. Eh, You're fine. Yeah, but I I still would rather wear it because I would rather see people. I would rather be putting out there that we should be wearing masks. Like When, when I walk Carly around the block, I generally have it like down under my chin so I can hit the vape. And then if I see anyone, if you come into my line of vision, yeah. vape goes in the pocket, mask goes on. I don't wait till you get six feet away. As soon as I see Sometimes it, I do the just hang off one ear yeah. and just like be ready to strap, strap if I need it to. Strap it up as yeah. soon as I see somebody. But you know what? In my apartment building, in this apartment building, anywhere, mask yeah. on the whole time. Right. I don't understand people who are like, well, I'm home. No, you're not. <laughs> home is in your apartment, yeah. not in the hallway. But it, here, I think the overarching message I want to send to everyone is... COVID doesn't end just because you're bored. Yeah. And I don't know where we got this mentality that just like, oh, I'm done with this. So I guess with the pandemic. They said the open. bars are open. So why don't we go? Like, I, I get that, you know, you want to go back to living, doing these normal everyday things. We all miss them. Like, there's all things that we wish we could be doing right now. Yeah. But like, honestly, like, it, I, I, I still remember back to like when the shutdowns first started happening. And we were all, all of us were just saying, everyone just stay home. Yep. If everyone stays home and nobody goes out, then it'll be great. And we'll, we'll get through it. We'll, we'll all th- be through this as a, as a people. And it'll be this great bonding moment as Americans. Like, you remember after 9-11 where, like, you never felt more like an American yeah. for a while there because we were all in this together. We all felt attacked and we all, we all rose up. And even though people hated Bush... There was this. He brought the country there was together. There were people who, who yeah. fucking loved him for a little while because he was standing up and he was saying, "I'm with you," and you know, <sighs> we're all in this together. And <laughs> this never happened with coronavirus, and we never we it, it's become isolating and political. And you know, the Hugo's Tacos who says they they can't stay open because people are fighting them over masks. And yeah. and I wanted to, I wanted to actually give a props to Hugo's Tacos for saying yes. There's a chance we go out of business because of this, but it's worth the safety and health of our staff that if you won't follow our rules and you're fighting us and you're spitting on people and yeah. throwing stuff on them, we're just going to close it down. Yeah. And our people's health is more important than making money right now. And if the whole country did that, we would be through it, but we can't seem to do that. We do just enough to hurt a lot of people and then not enough to kill the virus. It's just, it, uh, and to me, it's just the, the, the fact that all these people, if they, if a if a bakery didn't want to bake a cake for a gay couple, oh, it's totally within it's totally within the business owners' rights to do whatever they want. Yeah, but if it's wearing a mask inside of Trader Joe's, I'm going to put up a six year old tantrum 
about how I have a breathing condition. And maybe you do have a breathing condition. But they're also going to shop for you. Yep. You, you, you can order it online, sit in your car, they'll drop it in your trunk. You don't even have to fucking go in if you have a breathing problem. You know, if I was, uh, I, I think about, uh, I had a, a uncle who was in a wheelchair. And uh, back then, it was, you know, ADA was more of a thing. But you would know if you had somebody in a wheelchair. It's difficult to find ways to get into places a mm-hmm. lot of time. Just because there's some ramp, it's around the other side of the building. You got to go all the way around. You're coming into like, the kitchen. You're on some little sidewalk that doesn't have proper paving to get around to the other side of the building where you can go up the ramp. It is it is a nightmare if you have an actual disability or condition that yeah. keeps you from being able to do these things. And for years, we were just expecting people if they had a wheelchair and they needed to go grocery shopping, go to the grocery store, yeah. go around the show, you know, like yeah. get a get get put your little cart in front and just you know go around and pick all the things you need. Uh, later there were things where you could like Peapod where you could order your groceries ahead of time and pick them up. Yeah. Uh, you still had to go in to do it, but at least there was that. And then there was grocery delivery and all these things that have made life easier for not only people who have real honest disabilities, but you know, people who are just looking for some sort of alternative to an unsure situation that's going on right now, but people who want to just go in and cause a big fuss and make it all about them and how they are being persecuted and stuff like that. Like, it's just not like I, I, I don't know who you're trying to like impress or who you're trying to prove this to. Uh, you know, like victim culture, right? They want to be victimized so that they can make a point about being victimized, even though most of us agree they're not victims of right, anything. Like, so, but if they get a little bit of feedback from that, but right I mean, wing, if they, if, you know, if uh, I, I just don't understand how you don't have any empathy for anyone else. Like if I'll see these tweets about people who are like, you know, like uh, there was that one that was going around about some, you know, like Leo doing the little skip thing, like me going down the wrong way in Walmart aisles without a mask and stuff like that. (laughs) I've been told I've tested positive. Two weeks later, she's in the hospital with COVID and stuff like that. Good. Like, Good. <laughs> That's a lesson for you. Yep. But unfortunately, you know, uh, half the people who are not wearing masks and are like saying that they're not getting sick or something like that are just going to continue to not get sick for a while. And then all of a sudden they die or whatever. <laughs> we don't know. Like, yep. That lesson doesn't get passed on, you know? Well, I, I was going to say the other, the last example that I had from this was Harper's in Michigan. And uh, I don't know if you saw the story on this. It, it's a bar club in Michigan. They have a capacity of 900, but they stuck to the law that's at 25%, and they opened for four hours on uh, two weekends ago or something like that. And 900 is what they hit over the course of the night, and over of that 900, 400 people have now come up positive. So one person was there, one person was positive, and just spread an infection through those 900 people. It might have been more than one. Who knows? But yeah. there was a group of people, one to more people there. They spread the infection amongst the 900 people there. And I don't know when people are going to get it through their heads. You don't have to show symptoms to have the virus. Yeah. You can spread it and have no idea that you're spreading it. Literally, if we had from Jump Street just said, everybody, go get two weeks worth of groceries Go to your house. <laughs> Sit and don't move. Yeah, don't do anything. Just stay there. We would have killed it out. And then we would have had to say things like, hey, uh, you know, Roberto, you're not allowed to go to Mexico. Sorry, because if, <laughs> if you go, you can't come back. Yeah. You're not allowing people to go travel around the world and come back. You can only go to a place that is as stringent as we are. But our defense of liberty and 
freedom well, is costing us right now. The other problem I think is, and you know, this is, is something we've talked about before in terms of like Supreme Court and justices and like how things go over years and stuff like that, which is uh, we have no we have no comprehension of patience and how long things take. How long it takes before the first signs of civil rights are out there, before we actually get court judgments yep. in the Supreme Court and laws that get passed that be able to, to t- change things. Like, it, it takes forever for the wheels of justice and the wheels of government to start moving. Uh, and altogether, almost to a T, everyone agreed that this was a serious situation and we needed to stay in place. And that wasn't enough of a lesson to some people that, like, fucking Ron DeSantis like two weeks after you know everyone thought that they, they were going to get hammered yeah and he's just like it's been six weeks since new york got slammed and they said it was going to come to florida and we haven't seen anything and now florida is one of the bigger states in terms yep. of coronavirus cases and it's because he has no patience he has no way of seeing that he's going to say something right now that is going to come back and haunt him later because he thinks he's safe he's the same way so and uh, Texas, all these uh, and all these places are shutting things down again. Like, you know, Texas is closing bars again. Like <laughs> California. Yeah. California is closing bars. Like, and uh, although haircut places are staying open, apparently movie theaters, theme parks are delayed now. They're, they yeah. were allowed to open. Nobody had really opened. They were making plans to. Now they're not allowed to. So. Well, and, you know, like it, the other thing is like businesses like mine, like I, technically I can go back to set right now. Yeah. Literally no respectable production that I've seen has been trying to make anything. It's been a lot of people out there going like, oh, pay you 50 bucks to swing a boom and stand right next to somebody who has coronavirus. Like (laughs) sign waivers saying you're not going to sue us if you get sick. And Um, like, we're not going to do anything to try and protect you and blah, blah, blah. You show up your own risk. Like none of this stuff. Like there's not a legitimate job out there for me. Yeah, it's uh, and I'm going to have to start wondering at some point about like. You know, it, it it just goes on until the end of the year. There's some serious conversations that have to be had about, like, how I'm going to be able to s- sustain. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a rainy day fund, but, you know, it's it's been pouring for a while. It's not you're not prepared for <laughs> you're not prepared for Noah's Ark level rain, you know. Uh, and apparently nobody in Washington is prepared either or uh, Sacramento for that matter. Um, I thought we were doing well, but then the governor gave in to all those people saying we need to reopen right now. Well, and I mean, this is where we are. I, I, I think in a lot of states and Maryland was like this, too, with with its unemployment uh, office mm-hmm. and California was as soon as lawsuits basically got to the point where we couldn't push <laughs> the, a judgment on this matter anymore is yeah. when things started opening up. Yep. There was like a haircutters union or something like that, or a barbers collective that had sued the state of California and it was about to be uh, heard on an emergency injunction or something like that. So they reopened. So they reopened barbershops because if you kept it open and every day you kept it open, you had to, the state would be responsible for some sort of restitution to the closed industry. So rather than fight it or figure out some sort of way to work around the everyone please be cool mandate of the governor. Like we're in this fucking situation and Maryland thankfully has been doing better uh, since Hogan started opening things up. But it seemed at the time very much like a, we can't stay closed because uninsurance is not going to be able to help this. And States like Maryland where you have to have a balanced budget. Right. There was nothing preparing to, to to do to help something like that, and uh, they don't have the benefit of California that has like nineteen or twenty billion dollars sitting in an account that's yeah. just there for stuff like this, which yeah. is why, by the way, you and, and Maryland and I mean like it, 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 and specifically California is 
just uh, like a uh, like its own small country yeah. rather than any other state. Like, you know, we have the GDP of France or something. <laughs> you know, like we're but Maryland can't even do that because balanced budget means balanced. You can't come out to the positive or the negative at the end right. of the year. Like receipts have to match income. That's it. Um, and now there's been talk about like an emergency session that would sort of put that rule like yeah we're gonna vacation that rule for five years while we figure out. All of this stuff. Ramifications of this, but. Well, and, and, or they hide it in some place. Like uh, the uh, road highway fund <laughs> is always has more money than it needs in a year. But it's like, oh, well, this rule doesn't apply to ongoing funds that are funded by taxed uh, or by um, voted on. Um, TIFFs or whatever. <laughs> the motions. Yeah, whatever yeah. we put to the voters is separate. We don't have to worry about that. That just doesn't help us. For unemployment, which is basically a pay-as-you-go system and right. now isn't being paid. So, yeah. But anyway. But um, everyone, please just wear your goddamn mask, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, keep your distance, stay in as much as humanly possible. If you don't need to go out, like, now is not the time to say, like, I need poster board because you just feel like it. If, if it's something you need and it could be shipped to you, I would do that because that's the safest way. I feel like your if advice you, is going out to a particular, a particular no, just, couple of people that I'm we just, know. I'm just saying in general to all the people who are not, not playing along. Like just, we, it's, I thought California was so good and I thought LA was doing so good. And then I still saw all the cars driving by, like when everything was closed and cars are driving by at four in the morning, I'm just mm-hmm. like, where the fuck are all these people going? Yeah, the the example my dad talked about on uh, Father's Day is that he didn't have fresh fruit that wasn't grown in their or fresh food that wasn't grown on their farm for the first seven or eight years of his life. He was born in 1937. Depression. After that came World War. Everything was rationed. Either it didn't exist or it was rationed. And he was like, yes, I remember the first time that I got a can of fresh something that wasn't like my mom canned it last summer and now we're eating it. It's like, I can't even imagine that kind of sacrifice. Now, obviously we don't have a farm, so we can't grow that yeah. kind of food, but like people are complaining because they can't go to a bar. Yeah. Stay the fuck I have inside. to drink home. What? Ugh, yes. Yeah. You have to get your alcohol delivered, which by the way you can, and you have to get your groceries delivered, which by the way you can, or you have to order Postmates to get a fresh meal, which by the way you can. Yeah. Everything can be brought to your door. Just, just do that. Yeah. Just do that. And I mean, I feel bad about like, you know, people who are in serious financial straits and can't <laughs> have like liquor delivered to them and stuff like that. But they have way more serious problems to deal with. Like, where are they paying rent? Yep. And st- like you're being selfish about like, you know, like, oh, my bars are closed. And there's some person who's literally trying to figure out how to eat right now. Yep. So just like fucking think about other people for just. 10 seconds before you do something like before you go in and make a big scene at fucking Trader Joe's realize that there's somebody who can't breathe right now on a ventilator and that people love them. Like imagine your mother or father on a ventilator and they're about to die. Would you act a little bit different in Trader Joe's in that moment in time? If you knew that your actions would have caused this to happen to somebody else like, and just keep in mind, uh, my own thoughts, not Corey's when you make a scene in Trader Joe's like that, I hope that you end up on a ventilator. So that's me sending all of that bad juju to you that when you're in somebody's face and you got the mask off, all I'm thinking when I see you is 
I really hope somebody infects him right now. I really hope that. I so. don't. I don't hope it happens. I just know that the chances are greater because they're not wearing the mask. <laughs> I hope it happens. <laughs> you know where the chances are great that you're gonna have an awesome time? Where's that? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey Doe, the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line four four three two one nine seven five nine five. What's that number again? Four four three two one nine seven five nine five. And you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendsDB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, new review for uh, 7500 was put up this weekend, and uh, for the King of Staten Island today, I thought that I posted 7500 last week, and then when I went onto YouTube to like look around at things, and I was just like, oh, it's still unlisted. <laughs> decided to post it so sorry for those people who are like vigorously looking around youtube for that it's a good uh, look it's good, good for you yeah <laughs> uh but yeah uh, and working on new stuff i got i got some ideas for how to how to step up my game a little bit so i'm looking forward to showing you guys that and uh yeah all check right. it out and of course uh oh wait let me turn this off you can find me at all your social networks uh huh? which direction is it oh, there it is <laughs> At Robert N. Cheek. Uh, that is going to be Facebook. <laughs> That's going to be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Tumblr, TikTok, uh, and now Parlor. <laughs> at Robert N. Cheek. Make sure you check it out there. Uh, of course, you check out robertncheek.com where you can find links to everything I'm doing, including the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek. You're going to find the Everyman movie reviews there. Uh, I've been doing reviews of Apple TV shows. Uh, I was blown away by the, con the content that's on Apple TV's platform. So I picked out a kind of a variety of stuff I had watched, did reviews. Those are going to be up for you uh, in the next few episodes. So make sure you check those out. Uh, I also have the first episode of Rob Explains Everything, the radio show. That'll be coming up on Wednesday. So you're going to hear this podcast on Tuesday. Keep it posted on Wednesday. You can check out the recorded podcast on either Spoon as a cast or on YouTube as a video. So uh, look to find those things there. And, of course, you can always find links to all the books which are available on Amazon. Byron's Books. Thank you, sir. Uh, and uh, all the rest of the content, all that's going to be linked at robertandcheek.com. So. Splendiferous. Well, I think we've done good here today. Uh, we've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Over under two or three treasonous events for next week. I'm trying to trying to figure out like how we should plan the show now. I think under. I think we can go under. Under, um, under two. It's a lull treasonous. It's a lot of treason and a little treason. A lot of treason and a little treason. So, so. under two and a half treasons next week. Hoping for under two and a half treasons. Okay. Yeah, let's cover that spread, shall we? Let's go to Vegas. All right. <laughs>